Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. Hey, welcome. It's Johnny King. I'm here on the show, The Johnny King Show, and thank you again for tuning in for another amazing episode. And I'm here with my wonderful friend, and I should say it's Cleo. Yeah. Right. Cleo Stiller. But people say Chloe, don't they? Do they, are they dys- dyslexic? Dyslexic. <laughs> Chloe. Yeah, Cleo. so I've been conditioned. If you, if I hear Chloe anywhere, I will answer to that. <laughs> also Zoe. Zoe, Yeah. See, when I was growing up, though, I got used to being called the dog's name just because my mom would get to the dog's name before she got to mine because there's so many of us kids that. So you're. Wow. So I'm conditioned to be called uh, Buffy. <laughs> so just FYI. Apt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? It raises you to be very humble, I think. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm below the dog. Right. <laughs> right. As the middle child, the, the forgotten middle child. But thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Chloe and I connected, and she has, if you're watching the video, this awesome book called Modern Manhood. And the tagline is Conversations About the Complicated World of Being a Good Man Today. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So we had uh, coffee the other day, and we started getting into this, and I was like, man, if I could have just bottled that up and put it on the podcast, that would have been perfect. So I'm hoping that we can touch touch some some greatness there in this. But... um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your background because your bio, which I wasn't going to try to memorize or read it off. You could probably tell them better, but like you've done some amazing things and you've been in Colorado for how long? Four months. Four months. Yeah. I was going to say six months, but okay. four months, right? Yeah. It's just crazy. But uh, yeah, give, them a, give the listeners and the viewers a little bit more of the background for what you've done in your TV show and everything else. Pretty cool stuff. Great. Yeah. Uh, sure. So Cleo Stiller is my name. Cleo. And, Chloe. Uh, um i'm a reporter i got cut my teeth um covering financial news for bloomberg and then moved over to univision and became a health reporter over there i'm emmy award nominated peabody award nominated and a television host amazing uh for a show rather wrong long running uh five years that's awesome um called sex right now with cleo stiller Mm. sort of a provocative title of course but um that is the peabody nominated show i created and we straddled uh topics ranging from reproductive rights to body confidence gender identity um and basically the idea what we were doing was we were kind of capturing this moment so the Mm -hmm. show launched in 2014 which really isn't that long ago but in the way uh our culture has shifted it's sort of like dog years honestly so 2014 uh, we had president obama in office the supreme court had just legalized same-sex marriage Mm -hmm. and dating apps were just hitting the mainstream so tinder actually launched in 2011 it's hard to remember a world before that happened but um so by 2014 dating apps were just hitting like Not just the coastal cities, but also the rest of the country, right? Mm -hmm. And we knew that things were just kind of happening 
in an unprecedented ways. Mm-hmm. So the show kind of captured this moment um, for our generation where everything was changing and people were kind of taking to the internet to be like, uh, is this normal? Like, does this happen to anyone else? Mm-hmm. Um, so the show ran on uh, Univision's English-speaking cable network called Fusion. Mm-hmm. Our parent companies were Disney and Univision. And um, then 2017 happened. And the Me Too movement hit the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And a lot of men who watched my show started writing into me, are you going to do a season on what's happening right now? Because I have so much to say, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of afraid to say anything. I don't want to get in trouble. I feel like everything <laughs> I was raised to do is now considered creepy mm-hmm. or worse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then they would ask me a question. And it was really interesting because, again, these kind of DMs were pouring in in droves. Um, and the questions would range from, like, I'm a single guy and I'm terrified to approach women to I'm a new dad and I have a new son. I don't, like, how the hell do I raise my boy now? I don't know what it means to be a good man. Or managers, right, would write me and say, listen, I wouldn't cop to this, you know, on the record, but I'm a manager with a lot of hiring power. And to be totally honest, I don't want to hire new female staff. It doesn't seem worth the risk. And I sure as hell don't want to mm. mentor my wow. current female employees. Totally. So these messages were just piling up in my inbox, right? And I was thinking, hell if I know, yeah. right? It's all just <laughs> changing so quickly. Yeah. Um, and this movement is impacting us in sort of every single space in our, our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Simon and Schuster, who is, this is my publisher, came to me about doing a book for them and I pitched them on three different book ideas. Mm-hmm. And that one was the last one. Yeah. I was like, please don't choose this. It's going to be such a mother. <laughs> <laughs> and of course they were like that one. Yeah. So relevant. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Do you remember though the, the, what were the other two? The other one was something, yeah, they were just, I don't remember exactly what they were, but I remember thinking, I mean, they're very topical and the publisher wanted to turn this around very quickly. And so I I remember the other two ideas would have taken me six months, maybe just to report out and write this. I knew if if they had signed up and this is what the book is, I was going to have to interview men all over the country from, you know, every generation kind of ranging from ages of 18, which is in the book, it's, they range from 18 to 62 Mm. because you probably know this, right? I mean, if you're raised in Missouri, Missouri, and you're in your thirties or forties right Mm now, Mm -hmm. you're, um, relationship to masculinity and manhood could be very different from a 17 year old Latinx kid in South Central LA, right? Totally. Of course. Versus like a 60 year old um, paper mill retiree. Mm-hmm. So um, that's this book, basically, you know? I, fascinating. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. <clears throat> really, really fascinating. And, and so this was around the time of the Me Too movement. That, that it no it came out last year. So it came out November, six months ago. Six months ago. In November. Right. But you started it around the time that that was the Me Too movement was very relevant. In the Yeah. So I started reporting in 2019. I mean, I, this is a really fast turnaround. So basically, Me Too had came around. I mean, when it 2017 is when the Me Too movement right. first right. hit mainstream. And right. I think at that point, it was very much um, 
wow, look what these really powerful, wealthy men did to women in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But as the year continued to spiral out and into 2018, that's when everyday men and women were kind of like, this is actually impacting me in ways I hadn't expected. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2018. I jumped on this project in 2019. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. here we are. That's amazing. For for a book that sounds like like you said the the breadth of things that you could get into and the amount of conversations and interviews that you had to have that's a lot of work to do. Yeah, I have spoken <laughs> to a lot of men. <laughs> yeah. I I really did, but kind of the silver lining of this, and people have asked me, you know, highlights like what what have you learned the most? Right, um, coming from reporting on women's health yeah. for nearly a decade. Mm-hmm. I can say that one of the silver linings about what's happening right now is that people who were previously just not interested in discussing um, power dynamics, masculinity, those folks are at the table now, you know? I mean, you know this because this is the work you're doing, but it's almost in, I wouldn't say it's in fashion quite yet, but more and more men are interested in being the best man that they can possibly be and showing up in the best ways that they can for their family and their community um, in ways that I think is previously unprecedented Mm. or I haven't seen. Yeah. When I liken it to when, you know, 10 years ago when I finally started to change the trajectory of, you know, my life, it was, uh, it was scarier for me to think about remaining the same. Oh, yeah. than it was to, to move forward yeah. where I feel like, and that's usually what provokes change. Right. Mm. Right. Mm. And so I think it's one of those things where men probably have now over the last several years are starting to realize you're either going to be left behind, yeah. which is probably so much more painful than it is to actually evolve and to face the wound. Right. To go with wounds, it. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. Really, really fascinating. So what do you feel like has been, I mean, I feel like we as human beings are designed to, to notice patterns. Yeah. You know? Sure. And so you're you're talking to so many men, right? And and similarly too, you know, before I started getting into this men's stuff, this men's stuff <laughs> a year and a half yeah. ago. I was also doing women's health, if right. you will. Sure. Physical, emotional, mental sure. health, uh, to to limited amount. Um, and being totally green in that that area too. I came in feeling like, what do I know? about women's health right. or being a middle-aged or postmenopausal woman with kids and having always been overweight and like uh, why but I felt that desire at least to go in and to serve yeah and did you feel any of that too coming into this being like I mean you had your tv show you had a lot of men interact did you feel confident coming into it at that point because of the work that you had done or were you also kind of like uh this is this is a big project so I, I did know I was like, this is a big risk because I anticipated getting it from both sides, to be honest. Yeah. I knew that um, a lot of women writers um, and feminist writers who I am close with in my personal life and who know me very well professionally might, without reading this book, might look at it and say, are you taking a side on this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew men who did not know my work would also be like, and this has happened a lot, of course, be like, uh, excuse me, what do you, what is a woman doing writing a book called Modern Manhood? Mm. So I, I anticipated that yeah. from both sides. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, that's fine. 
that is a fu- like I knew going into that, that 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 would happen and that did not deter me because what I knew is that professionally I had been invited to speak at a lot of me too events and at these events people were sharing really important stories and ideas about where we as a society could go from here, how to kind of level up in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And then folks would kind of look um, around the room and be like, where are the men? There are no men. Mm -hmm. Men don't care. Mm -hmm. Men don't care about this. Mm -hmm. And I knew men do care because they're piling up in droves in my inboxes. And all of them were kind of saying, listen, you're not the only one I'm asking about this. Like my buddies and I, we've got a group text where we're kind of debating all this stuff. It just kind of is happening that the conversations are siloed, right? Right, right. Women talking to women and survivors talking to survivors, men just talking to themselves right. and not. So I wanted to get in the mix and I'm a good person to do it because I'm, I come from a journalist background. So this book is not what Cleo Stiller thinks mm. men should be mm. um, in, in this century. This book is about what men are doing mm-hmm. to show up to be better mm-hmm. and they're sharing stories. So this was kind of the crazy thing, right? Once it kind of got out, on social channels that I was working on this book, men started coming to me in droves to be like, I heard you're writing a book like this. Do I have a story for you? Mm. Right? Guys wanted to get this stuff off their chest. And this Mm. is like stories about, this is how I lost my job and I never saw it coming. And hello, that is effed up. What the F? Mm -hmm. Um, Guys telling me stories of redemption, sort of like, you know, this is during the Kavanaugh trial, had one guy tell me that he kind of watched uh, what had happened with the Kavanaugh hearing um, unfolding and listening to what Kavanaugh had done and how it had impacted some women. He thought about his own undergraduate time. They had both gone to Yale. Mm. And um, so that was particularly poignant for him. But he thought about how he was 99% sure he had never done anything to hurt a woman. But he wasn't entirely sure that 1% he couldn't say because he had been very depressed in undergrad and he had been isolated. And so he drank a lot Mm. to to work through those feelings. And there was a particular woman who he only hooked up with when he was pretty much blackout drunk. Mm -hmm. And again, this, this wasn't about assault. This was just, did I treat her well? Did I treat her as good as I could have? Right. Right. Who doesn't have that story, right? Who doesn't? So... While, you know, I mean, then that would have probably been like, you know, I think he said like 15 years prior, but he's watching what was happening in real time in our country and he thought of her and he took a risk and he, they were Facebook friends, but they hadn't spoken, you know, in years. Mm. And he messaged her and he was like, listen, I don't, I don't know if I should say anything or not. I'm, but I, I'm just letting you know that I'm watching what's happening right now. And I thought of you. And if I ever did anything that made you feel less than I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, I didn't talk to her, so this was secondhand sourcing, yeah. but um, he told me that she said, I never expected you to apologize, but it means so much. Mm. Thank you. Mm. So, you know, these are stories that men wanted to share. And that's kind of the important timing of this, right? Because yeah. um, there's just so much we can do with that once you know, like, you're not the only one who's feeling this way. Right, right. And I've said it on past 
podcast episodes, and it's one of those things that's, that's probably one of the most common uh, things said and, and feedback from my men's meetings every single month is that they're surprised that there's other men that feel yeah. how they feel, oh. which just goes to show how little men are actually talking with other men, you know, about what they're feeling. And that, okay, can I say as a woman, not as a reporter, mm-hmm. but as a woman mm-hmm. reporting this book, that was the biggest eye-opening uh, thing for me to learn because women are socialized to communicate with each other yeah. on deeply intimate personal issues from such a young age. And what I found out, so we have a whole chapter in here called the friendship chapter, mm-hmm. which I was kind of like, I don't want to write a chapter on guys' friendship. But it ended up being the most interesting to me mm-hmm. because what I found out in my reporting is that um, so like there's a running joke in my family. Dad has no friends. Mm-hmm. Mom has a lot of friends and dad's got mom mm-hmm. or the dog, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it turns out that's kind that's not just in my family. Nope. So many people so many. right have that family joke. And it's not actually funny <laughs> because as you know, it's hard for men to communicate about intimate, um, vulnerable issues. And then we get this notion like, well, I guess they don't have them They're, which is ridiculous because we know all humans do. And when I looked at like, okay, so this is so widespread and I heard it from so many of the men that I interviewed. And then the question is, well, why, right? Are men, I'm quote, I'm putting this in air quotes, but like hardwired. Yeah not to need friends or like what's the deal and I spoke to a researcher named Naomi Wei Mm -hmm. who's been doing research on adolescent boys for 30 years she told me about um this experiment she does so basically here's what we know when boys and girls are very young they actually form friendships in the exact same way. Hmm. So they're hugging each other, they're kissing each other, they're whispering in each other's ear, sharing secrets, all of this, right? Then when the boys are quite young, they start being policed by their teachers, their parents, their older siblings. Mm -hmm. Hey, 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 don't lean on your friend like that. Don't touch your friend like that. Don't whisper in your friend's ear. That's a girl thing. Mm -hmm. And that, that, they get that mess. I mean, does that sound familiar at all? Of course. Right? Yep. So, and that's happening when they're like four and six and it continues on, right? So Niobe, what she does is she pulls boys as they're going from eighth grade to ninth grade, right? And she'll pull them aside and she'll say, do you have a best friend? And the guy can be like, oh yeah, definitely. And like point to one guy, that's his best friend. She asks him, what do you guys talk about? Well, like everything, like my parents divorce, like my dad losing his job, we're you know, short on cash or whatever, um, girls, everything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then she pulls those same boys every year as they get older. So sophomore, junior, senior year. And by the time she gets them at senior year, she asks them that same question. And that best friend has kind of like blurred into the back lines usually. Mm-hmm. And it's more of like this large group of guys. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. What do you and your best friends talk about? And they're like, um, you know, they're buds. Like, sports cars girls Mm -hmm. she's like well what about the divorce what about your aunt who passed no like no i don't need to talk about that Mm -hmm. stuff she's like does it not bother you they're like no and that is so so if that's happening at high school then this idea right like dad has no friends Mm -hmm. i 
as a woman who, I mean, I have such a core group of female friends who I, they know everything. Um, I can't imagine handling all of that on my own. And, you know, it's not just men who police other men. Women also rail on men yep. for, for looking um, to connect emotionally. So there's just so much work to be done there. Um, and I, I'm, I was shocked. I mean, frankly, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not so much shocked, although, you know, I think we see the repercussions of that solitude and how many men that I talk to and I, and I've gone through it in waves as well of just so much, um, loneliness. Yeah. I mean, gosh, women can feel the same thing. They can Absolutely. be married and have five kids and feel they're the loneliest person in the room, right? Absolutely. Because no one really understands them or, or validates or feels them. And, and men, are, I think, feel the same way <clears throat> in many different regards. Um, and so it just, it just, it gets me thinking about how just probably, with, I guess maybe two years ago, um, I don't know the exact date, but I was over in India and I was surprised, especially when I was in uh, Mumbai, of all places, yeah. right? And I was, I was just looking around, and there were men uh, holding hands and putting their arms around each other and hugging each other all over the place. And I was like, what is going on? Not so much <laughs> as a, like, what are they doing? As in just like, this is so not the U.S. It's so, right. So I have two really, really, really good friends um, that I talk to almost on a daily basis who are both of Indian descent. Yes. And I was like, you know, Sham, Akrim, like, what's up with this? Like, are they gay? They don't seem like they're gay, but right. they're awfully, maybe they've got, you know, their love language of physical touch through the roof. Yeah. They're <laughs> very the touchy feeling. city. <laughs> He's like, no, that's just culturally, yeah. there's not a whole lot of shame around, uh, you know, men being they're not kissing, right? Right. But they're, they're not being that type of intimate affection, but they're just showing physical affection, which is so f interesting because I have such a high need for physical affection because my mom was very affectionate. I think yeah. all my siblings were all that way. But I cannot, other than like hugs to buddies, like in terms of being f physically affectionate, it was reserved for my girlfriend or my spouse or like that's it. Yeah. And there's a lot of times that I feel like I just have that crave to like, I was just gonna, want yeah, to touch, yeah. touch individuals. Yeah. And I, but then even especially with, with the conversation this, we're talking about, yes. right. Then I'm like, I, I don't think I can touch you. Like I'm just very handsy in terms of like just touching and that sort of thing. Handsy. That sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. get my point. Right. <laughs> but, but more so just like, I like to just, uh, connect with people through the physical touch, not that type of romantic intimacy. And, I feel like then I'm walking on eggshells a lot, you know, based on what's happened in, in yes. the world in the last several years and which makes me like, damn it. And so I think it's, it just gives me a lot of, I, I just reserve, I pull myself back pull a lot. Back. Yeah. Well, and also I'm sh like men, like I know, like if you went, I, people who are just listening to this can't see it, but like say I reach out to like just touch your shoulder right. or something. Right. Um, I'm guessing if I were a dude, that might be like, that's unusual, right? Um, yeah. On the shoulder. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're yeah. like, there's, there's your radar has come up. Yeah. A little. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's funny how there's like that unsaid kind of man code, you know? Wait, so like, what, like to do yeah. this would yeah. be like way too intimate. Really? Yeah. Okay. Where like just right here. Yeah. Like proud of you, bro. Like you're doing a good job. You know, that's, that's totally cool. Like a tap. Totally a tap. Yep. See, this is actually, this is good. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is good education. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, even as a woman, for example, I'm new to Denver yeah. and I'm making new female friends and they ask me, do you do hugs? Like, do you, do you want to yeah. hug? Yeah. Um, so that, I, I don't know if that's a new thing, but that's also, that's something that happens as well. Well, there's, there's also that for me, it's like, I meet guys, uh, all the time and it's, you know, it's a handshake or whatever. Fist bump. Yeah. But then once you, once you get to a certain level, then it's always hugs. There's always hugs. There's always hugs. Really? Between men. Absolutely. Ah, how nice. Oh, absolutely. And so I feel like there's that, you know, and then I see guys that are coming into my men's meetings who know each other really well and there's long hugs, oh. you know? So there's like, you can see that there's that desire mm. to yes. embrace, you yes. know, but then there's always like deep hug and then it's another like push back and like yeah. pat each other <laughs> just like you know. not gay yeah. not homosexual yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um and i used to you hear that a lot now i think i just was talking to someone where especially with boys there's there's that maybe i was listening to maybe we were talking about that i'm listening to the audiobook um boys and sex boys and sex right and it's like oh but no homo it's like a hashtag no homo <sighs> i know right yeah um, and I think that's, that's just where it's all masculinity and sexuality, all yes. of it's just kind of very perverted in a sense of like, we don't know what it is to be a boy, to be a teenager, to yeah. be a man. Like, that's why I feel like this is such a relevant conversation. So I'm just, I'm opening this page of this. It's like in the beginning of the book and interesting. So I've been talking a lot about gender and power for years, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. but for men who I interviewed, um, or who read the book and then reached out to me after reading it, this, this concept was very enlightening for them. So, um, back in the seventies, there was a men's group in Oakland that created this idea called the man box. And it's since been updated to be a little bit more relevant to our times. Um, by an organization called A Call to Men. The guy's name, who run, one of the co-founders, is named Tony Porter. And he's the real deal. He works with the NFL, the N- M- NBA, yep. National Baseball League, yep. um, hockey, NHL. all of... Yep. I was, all the major. I wish I just knew the acronyms. You know, it'd be yeah. so much cooler. But anyway, Sorry. so he works with all of them. Yeah. Um, so he's, you know, he's working with very high-powered men in yeah. a very male-dominated setting. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of updated this box. So here's the idea that masculinity is this, and you better fit in this box or you get cast out of society. Do not cry openly or express emotions with the exception of anger. Do not express weakness or fear. Demonstrate power and control, especially over women. Aggression and dominance. Be a protector. Do not be like a woman. Be heterosexual, slash don't be like a gay man. Be tough, athletic, strength, courage. Um, Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting to me is that when I interviewed men um, for this book, I kind of assumed that younger men would be more progressive and older men would be more conservative or traditional. Sure. Uh, just because of age. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out, it didn't fall across age lines like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because the fact that you might not fit in that box, that's timeless. That box, like whether you were born in 2000, the 80s, 70s, or 50s, mm. that box has been there. And if you didn't fit in it, you felt that. Yeah. So 
I do think, you know, about the hugging and it's okay if it's like, quote unquote, not gay. Um, one thing that was really interesting for me is when I interviewed gay and trans, gay men and trans folks for this book, they kind of, you know, I would ask them questions that are coming up for like straight dudes mm-hmm. during this time. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, we have been trying to figure these questions out since we were born. So this is not new for us. All these gender issues and how do you do this and what does it mean to be a good man, quote unquote. When you're gay, you didn't fit in that box. You already had to figure that out. And they have this kind of learned knowledge that straight people who fit in the box a little bit more easily, we, we're just kind of thinking, can we do it better? Like, is this how we want to live our lives? Do you know what I mean? Totally, totally. <clears throat> and it makes me think that, um, I mean, so much of what's going on right now with Black Lives Matters, and I've talked to so many of my white friends who feel like, again, they're walking on eggshells. Eggshells, In for the sure. same way that for men sure. kind of felt like they were walking on eggshells after the Me Too movement, and it was kind of like, I guess there was an overwhelming silence yeah. from men. It's like, uh, hello, guys. <laughs> and it's funny because I think in... Uh, it's either yesterday or tomorrow's podcast. I actually refer to um, the moment when I ended up going through my divorce. I was at the courtroom uh, with with my ex-spouse. And it was, again, so fascinating. I won't tell the whole story again. But it was just me and the other man in the room was the judge. There was about 40 different women in there who were all waiting in line with their little tickets to, to dissolve, legally dissolve their marriage. And what? my feeling was like, we're like, where's all the men? Do they like? I I'm here because it wasn't necessarily my des- my desire to get divorced at yeah. the time, but I was like, well, I went into it with her. I'll be with with her to the end. That's my vow. Yeah. Right. So, but then where's all the other guys? And my thought was like, part of it was like, I guess I don't fully understand because I know men care. Yeah. But w- at what point do they just throw up their hands and they give up and they're like, I'm out. And, right. And they just don't show up anymore. Oh my gosh. Well, wait, so you, one can file for divorce and the other, spa, like the spouse doesn't have to be present. Correct. And you were the only mm-hmm. man who showed up like, mm-hmm. whoa. Yeah. Okay. That's its own. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. At least in, in Missouri. Yeah. Missouri. In, in Missouri, <laughs> um, you know, if I had fought it, right. her desire, then uh, I could have legally fought it for a year. And if I still didn't sign anything, then she could. Could, could have gone on and, and gotten, gotten it done, right? Yeah. Which is probably, you know, guys probably flee the state or just disappear or they don't give a rat's ass, you know? Gosh. And so, but yeah, that, that to me was amazing. That, that that snapshot of maybe two hours that I was, there was 40 marriages or so, probably more than that. It, just, it was just like a, you know. Also crazy that it was always the the wife showing up, yep, right? Yep. Where were the okay? Well, but that's yeah, that's a great I think a great kind of oh uh, example of what has been happening. Right. Have you ever, have you ever read uh, No More Mister Nice Guy? No. Well, in that he he talks about uh, uh, how the the nice guy yeah was created as a result of the industrial revolution essentially. That prior to to machines, you know, replacing men in the fields, yeah, boys learned how to be men. Yes, one version, 
in the fields being with dad yeah. right next to him, like watching him sweat and toil and everything else. But then when dad was replaced by machines and had to go into the city, yeah. left little boys to be raised by moms, sisters, aunts, the women of the village. Yeah. And that's when boys started to learn that to be valued, they have to be good little boys, nice little boys, you know, quiet, patient, you know, sitting in their chair, like kind of oh, my experience as well. Interesting. And so that's was the beginning of men kind of losing their foothold on masculinity and what it means to be a man. Yeah. And so I feel like in some sense that's also why what perpetuates why men don't have other like the friendship chapter. Yes. Yes. Because they were just kind of like the wife just re- was replaced. Yes. The mom, mom was replaced by the wife. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, Which women hate, by the way. I oh, mean, my God. Yeah, had I known that. that right. Might have been different, but <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, I've heard not all women. And this is this is the really important. There is no monolithic right. experience for women or men. We know right. this. Right. Um, but many women are very remorseful and um, filled with regret when they get a male partner who turns them into mother, therapist, friend, you know, like all the things because their partner doesn't have all of them in their life, you know? So that's like a lot of hats to wear for one person. Uh, Yeah, it's way too much. And then no wonder that the intimacy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. So I think that's, that's just the, uh, a big part of that. I feel like that's relevant with this conversation in your book is like, yeah, why, why are so men isolating themselves? Yeah. Probably because they're fearful of men. Yeah. You know, so many men also say that they're, they have so much anxiety coming into this meeting of men. Yes. You know, yes. whether they're straight or gay, they're all, they're either puffing up their chest and they're not either. Uh, but a lot of them kind of feel like they have to either fake the part. Yep. Or they just like come in like, hey, and then they just kind of like just find a little spot by themselves and just sit on their phone until I start speaking. Right. Right. Lone wolf. Yeah. So, and I, and I totally get that. Um, But I feel like, again, as men, of course, get to know each other and they become friends. You know, I just went out to brunch last weekend with a bunch of them that we connected through my men's meetings and now we're all friends. It's like hugging and we're Uh, all, you know, it's like uh, that's where the vulnerability is, but it takes a lot of time and I don't think. I think men kind of disregard that as important yes. because they need, like you said, it just, it doesn't necessarily fit in the box. It does not fit in the box. They've got to be successful. They've got to like, and how empty is that? You know, it's also an incredibly inhuman amount of pressure Mm. to put on any one person. Mm -hmm. Um, And this, I, you know, I did hear from men a lot that they feel like they get it coming and going. They feel like, to the point of the nice guy, they're like, if I'm too nice, women don't like me or I get run over or, you know, I don't get promoted at work. Um, if I'm a jerk, then I get dinged as a jerk, but, to, you know, jerks succeed. So, and they feel like they're kind they're they just get it coming or going and they talk to they're just so they're like i'm not going to say anything i'm not going to do anything and just let me know when it's all over right um and we don't want that right we can't have like half the population just completely disengaged and also we know that it's not you know men are human so it's not that they don't have emotions it's just that they'll bottle them up and then at some point it's going to come out in a really ugly way right which is kind of part of the man box like the only emotion you're allowed to have is anger yeah. um so what i recommended to men 
who read my book like this is the core message of the book although yeah. you should pick it up if you want to it's uh, very funny of course. Absolutely. um and enlightening yeah um is that it's you can get really hung up these days on being like what does a good man do what does a good woman do right like i heard this over and over again like i don't even know if i'm supposed to hold the door for the person coming behind yeah. me anymore yeah. Yeah. right so okay worry less about what a good man does, right? Worry less about like if you're supposed to hold the door open for not or for women or whatever. Hold the door open for the person coming behind you because that's the right thing to do. Get really clear on like what kind of person do you want to be, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're the kind of person who isn't going to hold the door open for someone, then don't. But also that's probably good information to have about yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I just think, you know, good men, good women, it's, we all kind of, there's like a spectrum of gender, right? We all like relate to different parts of quote unquote femininity and masculinity in different ways. Mm -hmm. And there's no one, there's no like way to like maximize advice in, in this area because it's so personal to your own preferences and experiences. Right. So again, I'm just, I really think it's a distraction to worry about like, quote unquote, what's a good man do? What does a good person do? Right. Right. And in the time of post me too, in the time of BLM, a good person shows up for their community Mm. And you're probably like, so this is a, this is written for a post me too world, but it's quite applicable to BLM as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're new to this, you are going to fuck up my friend. Like you are going to say something wrong. You're going to get in trouble. You're mm-hmm. going to look stupid, mm-hmm. but that is worth it to make the change that we need to see. And you have to know that in your core, right? Yep. You do not want to be the good man, the good person who just kind of like sticks your head in the sand because it doesn't technically directly impact you. That's not how a good person shows up for our communities. So, you know, and when I say to other folks, like I say to women and survivors who read Modern Manhood, um, I also said to them, as much as you can come from a place of empathy and compassion right now, because when people are showing up who this... Yes, it would be ideal if this wasn't the first time they were thinking critically about these issues. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, it is for a lot of people. So hear them out, work with them, yep. you know, because we all need to be at the table to move forward on this one. And we we need to move forward on it. Mm-hmm. So. I completely agree. And I feel like uh, just hearing you say that makes me think through as I've gone about just like the last decade of redefining what it means for me to be a man. I kind of felt like I had an empty or a, a clean slate to some degree. Yeah. You know, um, the things that weren't healthy were things that I got from movies and growing up with superheroes and, yeah. you know, some of that where the pendulum swung far to the other side. But um, that is also a big part of my message too, which is like at some point, like especially me speaking more and more about these type of topics, um, I, I get a lot more people disagreeing yes and i'm like yes that's okay yes but i feel like the only reason why i'm now having this conversation is that over the course of those last 10 years uh but primarily let's say in the last year and a half that i finally said you know what this is the scariest thing that i feel like i'm being called in to do Mm. but i have to do it is because i'm at the point where i'm confident enough in in my own self-worth that like you know what you can say stuff and we can just disagree it's just your opinion 
correct. But I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Yes. Right? Oh my gosh. So that's, so, okay. One of the questions that I thought was so basic, I could not believe we were still having this conversation in 2020, was it came up over and over again for the dating chapter. Am I supposed to pay for dates or not? Like, how long has this question been around? Why are we still talking about this? But some guys were like, I mean, this came up over and over again, right? So guys were like, with some women, if I don't offer to pay, she thinks I'm you know, like a schlub and like, she's not going to go out with me again. Other, then I'll go on a date with a completely different woman and then I offer to pay. And then she's offended because she thinks, I don't think that women should be independent. So what the, I just, what? So this core advice can be extrapolated to everything that you and I are talking about right now, which is, do you want to pay? Like, did you think about that? Like, how do you want to show up? Correct. Some guys like to pay because it makes them feel good to treat Mm -hmm. and if that's how you feel then do that Mm -hmm. because and say it also communicate it because we have this weird thing where it's like you have to read my mind and I have to read yours but you know say listen I would love to pay for this date it makes me feel good to Mm -hmm. treat other people does Mm -hmm. that work for you Mm -hmm. that makes it really clear what you like to do and if she doesn't like that She's probably not a good fit for you. Like newsflash, right? Yeah. And that's that can be very an empowering getting clear on what you want to do, what's important to you is something we take for granted and we don't do. But if you've decided I'm going to prioritize being a good person this year mm-hmm. in ways that have previously completely gone over my head and I haven't seen. This is important to me then you start kind of checking the motivations for your everyday behavior in ways you've never done before. And then all of a sudden, you're more confident to show up in spaces that might feel weird or whatever because you're really clear, this is why I'm doing this, Mm -hmm. you know? And you might fuck up and someone might be like, you're a jerk. And someone will probably comment on this podcast about something you and I have said here, right? For sure. Totally fine. For sure. But we're going to show up anyway, right? Yep. And I think the the thing that ultimately what for me it boils down to is like to have to have men be asking those questions. Yeah. Should I pay? Should I open the door? Should I not? Like, eh, eh, eh. like stop being so passive. Yeah. You're giving your power away with that question. And I, I my, my mind even goes to like, let's let's just rewind the clock to two thousand years ago, right? And it'd be like a man standing there with a spear looking at a, like a herd of zebras going by or something, right? And then he's just like looking over his shoulder talking like, which one should I get? Like, should I get this one or should I get that one? Asking yeah. the other men or the women. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, should I do it? Should I not? And they're just be like, just do it. Yeah. Do the thing. Well, which do one the, you want to do? Yeah. Do it. Do the thing. Just do the thing, right? And I think that's what it is for me is like, man, at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, that's that's where the courage has to come in to, to be willing to risk. Yeah. Right. Otherwise that is the, and in my book, I would talk about like one of part of the headline is like uh, supporting men and getting their power. Mm. Right. Mm. And some of some individuals say like, Oh, that power word triggers me. And I'm like, it's just about not giving your power away. Yeah. It's like retaining your power, not about your power being inflicted upon others or over others. No, it's just about you holding on to your own personal power and being in a place where, you know, I, 
maybe you dislike or disagree with something I said, cool, but I'm not going to like sweat it. I'm not going to, you know, there's, there's a part of taking responsibility and, and owning up to our mistakes or saying things that might be dumb. There's another part of saying, you know what, like, that's just my opinion. You're entitled to yours, I'm entitled to mine, and then moving on, right? And mm-hmm. that, that is a big part of, I feel like, just the confidence that men and women in general, that's just... That's great advice for anybody, right? Right. Self-assurance, yeah. um, but I just want to just caveat that. Self-insurance assurance that comes after careful self-reflection. Mm. Because if you're just self-assured, but you haven't done the reflection first, right. then you're a jerk. Correct. But... Once you've done that and you are quite clear, you know, and as I recommend a particular, you know, for men who were raised not to listen or ask questions, listen and ask questions, let that inform your opinion and then get clear on it. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's, it's just, oh, it's just so interesting. Like on the, on the, I can tell, um, you know, men that you are working with, I wonder they're probably the guys that I talk to who are just like, I feel like I, when I am too nice, I get run over mm-hmm. and I hate hearing that. It like, you know, they'll say and like with women, with it, et cetera. And I just, it breaks my heart because, um, sensitivity, vulnerability, um, empathy are just such undervalued qualities in our society and they really are so valuable. Um, so anyway, I also recommend if guys are feeling like those are qualities that they have in spades and they're not being valued, that they're not in the circles that they should be. Correct. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think that's, that's the healthy part of Being in a brotherhood where you can openly talk amongst men because it's no different than going into the gym and getting physically fit. This is talking about being, you know, emotionally, intellectually fit so that you can actually have the words to articulate how you're feeling. Because even to your point, like to to be able to sit in front of someone and be like, hey, I'd like to offer to pay because of this and this kind of to your example, my mind goes to like, there's so many men that that couldn't even begin to articulate oh, they, that. I know, because I know. Because 10 years ago, she would be asking me, like, how are you feeling? How's your day? And I was like, uh, uh, uh like, I, I didn't even have vocabulary. Yes. Not because I was an idiot, but just because it's like, it's like bringing someone in to work out for the first time and expecting them to keep up with you because you've been working out for yes, 20 years. right. And I feel like that's a lot of times what I look at when I look at a woman who's highly developed and she's very articulate, she's very smart, she knows her sit with a guy that's just like, uh, <laughs> you know, she's been working out in the gym for totally. 20, 30, 40 years yes. and he's just like a newbie, right? This is, and this is what we talk in that friendship chapter where this men, because they're raised not to communicate their feelings and verbalization is such an important part of our learning process and how we process emotions. Mm-hmm. When you never talk about your feelings, you can forget that you have them. <laughs> so then you, this happens and someone will be like, well, how do you feel about it? And you're like, uh. Good. <laughs> fine. Right. Uh, no yeah. one's ever asked me that before. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. Feelings internalized, never expressed. Oh my God. Brilliant. That's That's most... Not most guys, but a lot of guys. I've never heard that. Damn, that would be a great title for the oh, book too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's um, yes. Anyways, that's I think that's the the important thing to to think through. So as we're kind of wrapping things up, I there's so much value here. And as I'm as you're speaking, I'm like I'm gonna I have to go back and listen to this because yeah. again, it's like it's challenging 
<laughs> sometimes when you're sitting in the seat because I'm listening to you, but you're also saying things like, oh, I want to talk about that. I want, you know, it's like I'm still not fully present because it's – That's the job of a reporter. Job. Yeah, yeah, you're also like trying you're to connect dots and yep. then trying to remember to – but I'm trying to stay pregnant. So like there's so much good here that I want to be like, all right, I'm going to go back and take notes. So thank you again for sharing this stuff. But maybe in the, the last little bit here – if there was, I mean, you've talked about like the main message that's coming out of uh, modern manhood. Here it is. But uh, what do you feel like are some things that just, just if a man's listening to this and he's really struggling and he's, you know, whether it be in his relationships and his career, just in, in fulfillment in life in general. Yeah. Where does a man even begin to start leveling up besides buying your book? Because <laughs> I would say that's probably where it starts because it's all probably in here. It's, right? all, it's all in there. But if they're just listening to this, yeah. what's the first step or two? Okay. If there is anything that you could love, recommend. Love this question. First of all, first of all, know that you are so not alone. Mm. Oh my gosh. And and feeling isolated or lost or dead inside. Oh God, I heard that over and over again. It's like, I feel dead inside. Everything's fine. I've got a good job. I've got a wife or I, or I don't or whatever, but everything is like, looks externally. Okay. Looks, okay. looks yeah. fine. Looks fine, but looks emotionally fun. flatlined. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that over and over again. So I think it's really empowering to know it's a, it's like a, Pand oh god I can't even say pandemic these days yeah, yeah. but it's happening everywhere yeah. so first of all very helpful to know that second of all um, I would Google like a local men's group and if that feels like a little bit too like you're going from like zero to ten a little fast um, I would continue listening to your podcast and also um, put in like so there's another uh, podcast that I like called. The Great Man Within. Um, it's hosted by Dominic Cortuccio and Brian Stacy. Um, they're kind. They work with like sort of high achieving men who feel dead inside. <laughs> um, and start there. You're, you know, I'm sure the people that you have on your podcast are already hooking other people up mm-hmm. with resources, right? Mm-hmm. But I will tell. So I'll also tell men, um, whether you're single or not, but women have asked me single women have asked me what do I need to know about modern manhood Mm. like I'm having trouble out here in the dating realm and I'll tell them find you ladies find your local men's group and just stand outside of that door and only date men that come in and out because the biggest the biggest um crisis I think of the men that I was talking to was that they feel totally alone and you're not. And so the other thing is if you do have friends, but you feel like you and your buddies before the pandemic would just go to a bar and kind of both sit directly at the game and like just talk about the game. Mm-hmm. I encourage you to just break the ice and ask your buddy, how are you doing with Sharon? Or like, how's, so don't, you know, don't just waste the friendships that you have staying surface level because I can guarantee you and your buddy both have shit that you need to work through together. Mm-hmm. So. I think it too, I, I would maybe piggyback on that too. It's like 
enrolling your buddy into the conversation before you show up because it's like sometimes it's like having the courage to bring it up yeah even whether you're talking about with buddies or or especially in intimate relationships it's just like oh i have that like i want to talk about this if if you it's sometimes it's certainly easier to text and hide behind you know text and and devices sometimes would just be like hey bro do you want to grab you know a beer and watch the game i'd like to ask your opinion on some relationship struggles i'm having just to give them a heads up totally so then the buddy could be like hey so tell me what's going on with your relationship yes Uh, because i think sometimes just men getting into it once they get into it they can roll yes um but just opening up a little bit is it's like the first step into the gym it's that first kiss it's the first it's everything it's like that's super scary because there's fear of rejection even amongst men. Yes, right? of like, course. No, what are you talking about, bro? Like, we're just, let's just watch the game. Come on. Like, Don't no get, homo. No yeah, homo, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So anyways, thank you so much for being here. I feel like we could talk for another several hours and I'd like to, to have you back and keep chatting about it. But again, uh, where can they pick up modern manhood? Modern manhood is everywhere that you can get anything. So it's a number one new release on Amazon. Sweet. Press coverage everywhere from Rolling Stone to Mother Jones, Fortune Magazine, Independent, um, LinkedIn ran an excerpt of the work chapter, Fortune Magazine ran an excerpt of the money chapter. I mean, this really is, um, it's not only stories from men all over the country, but it's just like packed. I know men love the History Channel, so I'm always like, it's kind of like History Channel plus like a bunch of other stories from guys. Um, Yeah, so you can get it anywhere. Do you have it uh, on audio yet? It's on audio. Is it? Yeah. Sweet. Heck Audible. Yeah. Audible. Yeah. I read the intro. Okay. I was going to say read by you fully or you read N- the intro. They wouldn't let me read the whole thing, which I was kind of pissed about. Yeah. But the, the reason they told me is because because there are so many male voices in there, they were like, like, try. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, I wouldn't like, and they were like, that is why you can't read the whole mm-hmm. <laughs> book. So they hired an actor. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to, I I choose to listen versus read same same so I i'm will, a listener uh, yeah I'll, I'll pick that up pick but the audiobook modern manhood uh conversations about the complicated world of being a good man today cleo stiller thank you so much for being here this is awesome thanks for having me yeah all right you guys tune into uh you know tune into the rest of the episode of course um that we have going on forward and if you have any other thoughts or feedback for us please feel free to uh to reach out and have an amazing rest of your day cheers and i want to thank you so much for listening to the johnny king show and hey if you got something positive from this episode please subscribe to the show share it on your favorite social platform and then tag me in it so i can say hi It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.